A lot of you have asked me where I went to school or got training to be a sex educator. The answer is ICE, Institute for Sex Education and Enlightenment. If you do not need to be ASECT certified, then try their new program called SWEET, Sexual Wellness Education and Enlightenment Training. It's about half the price of their regular program, and it's for people who don't need to be licensed by ASECT, but have the interest or want to add fullness to their personal or professional lives or careers. You can do it at your own pace because it's all on demand. You can do it from anywhere in the world. If you have weird hours like me, then maybe you want to do class at 3 a.m., you can even take one learning path at a time to make it more manageable financially. So go to instituteforsexuality.com and click on their on-demand programs where you can check out their other classes too. Welcome to They Talk Sex podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the Man Stripper episode. Uh, welcome to our guest, Ben Crane. Hello, Ben. Hi, how are you? I am so well. We are just over here writing the wrongs of anti-porn and anti-sex work people yeah. <laughs> and telling our own stories. Uh, so you can find Ben. We're going to get to know him a lot more over the next hour. You can find him on Instagram at Ben Crane underscore. You might be listening to this on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. If you can rate or review the show because that helps more people find us. It also makes me really happy. Hi, I'm your host, Elle Stanger. I am an ASEC certified sex educator and adult entertainer, the adult entertainer part uh, for about a decade and a half. So let's dive in. Ben. Yes. Yes. Can you tell whereabouts in the US you're located? I am based in Chicago. Okay, cool. So what is your entry story? You are a man stripper, male stripper. How long have you been stripping? Um, I've been stripping probably about six years. I started in go-go dancing and I moved into okay. stripping. So pre-pandemic and then post-pandemic. Yes. <laughs> what a wild roller coaster ride. How did you get started in go-go? Um, so... When I was uh, in my younger years, um, I used to go to like bars and I would always be the first person on the dance floor, whether or not I was drinking or not. And usually I wasn't drinking because I was always DD. Um, one of my sister's friends noticed that I like to dance and uh, he suggested that I dance. And in Chicago, we have a neighborhood called Boys Town. It's like the gay neighborhood of the city. Gayborhood. I love that. Yes, the gayborhood. Yeah. So it's basically just a street of gay bars all the way down the street mm, and um bless them yeah it's honestly it's one of my favorite places to hang around because it's so welcoming mm -hmm. um but anyways so yeah so he hooked me up with one of the managers of one of the bars um and i got in there and i had a great time and at, so to start off like i'm straight and so that was my question actually yeah, yeah. So, uh, I actually wanted to be a stripper from a very early age. I want to say like, as soon as I graduated, um, high school, I started like looking around for, uh, strip clubs in Chicago and stuff, male strip clubs in Chicago. And mm -hmm. they don't actually exist. We have male reviews out here, but we don't have male strip clubs. Mm, can you explain the difference for those who don't know? So, so, uh, male review for anybody who doesn't know is kind of like what you would think of 
if you if you if you're familiar with Magic Mike, oh yeah, um, where it's it's men performing kind of a show more than it is um, what you consider like a typical strip club environment. Mm-hmm. So we do like costumes. We come out as the police officer. It's like it's the typical thing you would think of when you think of uh, like male strippers. So you know it's what like I mean? a feature show, and it exists, and then it's gone. It's not like a venue you revisit whenever you feel like it. For me, exactly. We don't have a venue. It's we basically rent out spaces, and um, yeah, we perform a two-hour show, and that's pretty much it. Get it while you can. Got it. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, so I applied to like some mail reviews, um, never got any callbacks. Um, that's a shock. Cause if you're, if you're good at dancing and you look nice. Right. Um, I think part of it is you, when you're applying for mail reviews and stuff, they ask you all your personal information and being on the shorter side, I think I'm not what you would typically uh, think of when you think of a male stripper either. Why not? So a lot of male strippers are like big hunky men. I'm five two and I'm hunky now, but I wasn't hunky at eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us aren't. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> so uh, I can see like why like that okay. kind of stuff would like not get me the job at eighteen. But okay. um so yeah, so <laughs> honestly going into um the club I work, I'll say the name because I don't mind promoting. Yeah, sure. Um, the club I work, I'm and I'm still there every Sunday. Nice. Is a uh, Hydrate Nightclub. It's in Boys Town, and they gave me my first shot at um, entertaining. I guess you could say. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's all just been a roller coaster from there. <laughs> that sounds about right. What do you enjoy about stripping? Uh, this can be pre pandemic. <laughs> uh, if, if uh, you're having a harder time, like some of us are a lot of the reasons I, I enjoyed stripping have just been like pushed on or challenged like, Oh, I'm not making the money. I might've been able to pre pandemic or whatever, but what about you? What do I enjoy about stripping? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I honestly, I, first of all, I, I like performing in general. Mm-hmm. Um, before I was a stripper, I was in a band. Hmm. So I think that's just like in my kind of my code where I like to be, I like to perform. I like to uh, entertain. Mm-hmm. So um, that's definitely part of it. I also like meeting people. Like meeting people is one of the cool parts of my job. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, you meet different kinds of people. You meet people that you have conversations with, they want to know about you and what you, how you came here and Mm -hmm. what your plans are. That's always one of the, one of the funny things. Like, what do you, how long do you plan on doing this? Yeah. What do you plan (laughs) to do after this? Uh, I don't know. What do you plan Uh, to do after this? Yeah. Are you, are you interviewing me? Are you, are you offering me a job? Yeah. Why? What do you got? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And my thing is always like, well, I don't have like necessarily a plan. I have an idea what I might do, but Mm-hmm. For the time being, I'm going to use up my looks while I have them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure for people in sex industries to like have a plan, you know, or a grand like escape idea or something to pivot to or a goal. And like, really, I think for most people in the world, like a lot of people are just trying to do it day by day or year by year. So if you don't have a plan, like that's okay. A lot of people don't. Yeah. You know, my plan changes every two or three years based on what the world is doing. So 
Yeah, I feel like that's how that's the best way to go because I had a plan when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the idea was to I do have a degree, but mm-hmm. um, me too. Yeah, <laughs> and the idea was to like go to school and get a job and you know, work a dead end job for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully the job pays enough to be worth it after right. all the college. Yeah. Oh, the American dream. Um, mm-hmm. So you're social, you like dancing. Um, so FOSTA SESTA is something that we've talked about on this show. Those two bad bills that were passed in 2018, which mm-hmm. severely limited uh, adult entertainers and consensual sex workers and sex educators and artists from being able to post their work or share their schedule or advertise where you can find them or buy their stuff. Um, And also the conflation of sex work with potential trafficking diverts resources from people actually in need because now there's a lot of just restriction of consensual providers. Anyway, so we've talked about Faust and Sesta on this show kind of messy set of internet laws but um so you said you started six years ago do you notice if fosta sesta impacted you at all oh absolutely oh go on um so early on i was promoting a lot through tumblr oh tumblr rip tumblr yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um and i want to say like right after those bills were passed uh, Tumblr put on their their new TOS and it kind of killed the entire industry on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Terms of service, yeah. So no more. Right. Basically, everything I'd posted was like potentially f- it was flagged or, or covered. It was like nipples, nipples, bush, nipples. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. So, um, and then I I'm pretty sure I had to like download everything that I had posted before my account got deleted or something like that. Mm. It was just like a such a mess. So. It's, I've noticed that it's one of those things where each kind of safe space for adult entertainers or sex workers or whatever it might be is, I don't know if it's like the bigger, the bigger they get, the more scared they are to keep that kind of content on their platform. Mm -hmm. So Instagram obviously has become very puritanical um, Mm -hmm. since 2018 um, to the point where I, if I post like even a booty cheek or something like that, my post gets pulled immediately. And I feel like I'm being, maybe I'm part of some tighter algorithm than like a lot of other profiles. Mm. Cause I notice like things on other profiles that kind of like get away with it. Mm-hmm. And mine is absolutely pulled within seconds. Mm. So I'm not sure like what's happening there. And I know I've had strikes against me and that's probably how you get on one of their little watch lists or whatever. Right. <clears throat> Oh, that's so stressful. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And being that, like, that is my biggest form of promotion. Like, it's kind of a hassle to, like, make sure that I'm not posting something that's too obscene for Instagram. And sometimes it's not even obscene and they'll still pull it for, you know, who who even knows why. Like, language or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. That one where it says... um this post has been removed for violation of terms of service, sexual solicitation. Solicit. Yes, absolutely. I've gotten that one a few times. Yeah. Which is Um, interesting because like, yes and no, like you're soliciting potential clients to your legal fucking job. Right. Um, (laughs) So yes, yes and no. Dirty, dirty hoes trying to make our living the way we decided was best. And we pay taxes on 
Absolutely. <sighs> um, and then there was also the issue of like Patreon. I used to be on Patreon mm. and then Patreon changed their terms of service. And then mm-hmm. for a while, uh, OnlyFans scared us last year with their uh, change of terms of service. And um, mm-hmm. oh, I remember, uh, I want to say it was last year when I legitimately went through all of my posts and changed like the hashtags so that they wouldn't say stripper or mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Because I remember there was a, uh, a scare that we were all kind of concerned about where um, they would start flagging a bunch of posts that had like certain words mm-hmm. in, in, mm-hmm. in them. So I feel like the only really safe space left is like Twitter and, you know, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Who knows how long that's going to last? Right. Yeah, totally. I I told my newer porn making companion yesterday, I said, I am not exaggerating. We would make 10 times more income from our clips if Faustin Sesta wasn't a thing, because now it is so much harder for me to advertise it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people might hear that and be like, oh, you're greedy and you're just trying to make a bunch of money and you don't care about sex trafficking. And it's like, OK, look, if Fosta Sesta made sex trafficking like less of an issue, I would see that as like maybe a compromise and like, oh, I just need to pivot to something else. But no, it actually is making it harder for victims to get the services they need again, because we've right. thrown everybody into the pot for scrutiny now. And that includes all these consensual workers just trying to make a living. And when I have less right. money that I make, I have less money to spend. So I tip people less. I buy less groceries and snacks. And my kids are like, why can't we afford this? Well, because we can't afford this because thank you, <laughs> Fosta Sesta. Right. So happier things. Um, you know, we're still here. We're flexible. <laughs> we're still here. We're doing it. We're doing it. Um, I'm actually really surprised that like, because during the pandemic, I was doing a lot of um, virtual bachelorette parties and stuff like that. Nice. And I'm surprised that like Zoom never kind of like <laughs> not yet. Right, exactly. <laughs> I haven't caught you yet. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted right. you because I speak your language. But please go on. You yeah, absolutely say- no. That's exactly where I was going with it. So yeah, I'm surprised that uh, they didn't hammer down on sexual content over Zoom. I mean, they have like. We're not. Yeah, that's what yeah. I heard. But my my none of my stuff ever got flagged. That's got good. I don't know how that works. In, but yeah. So anybody who's unfamiliar, Skype and Zoom, you're not allowed to use those for adult entertainment, and yet many of us do because that's <laughs> the platforms that we're trying to use because that's our only options. We're trying to survive, and a lot of people don't want to sign up and get approved on a potential webcam account. Because then they take, you know, whatever their percentage is, 30 or 40%. So a lot of people prefer to work underground just because it's better for them. And underground means the platforms we have sometimes. (sighs) I I, I feel like also it's it's an issue of, uh, it's just easier to get people to the bigger platforms. So like it would be easier for me to promote and be like, hey, you could do a Zoom show. Mm Mm-hmm over being like, hey, you could sign up for this mm-hmm. site that maybe you don't trust, or maybe this is going to show up on your credit card statement mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Yeah. So on to the more positive things. Uh, <laughs> so I asked my listeners, well, this won't all be positive, but how about this? I read, you react. I asked my listeners, I said, tell me a man stripper story. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. One lady says... 
One of the clubs I worked at had male dancers on the weekends. Women are crazier than men, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) We don't like to make uh, gender generalizations on this show, but again, this is feedback. Um, the The same person says, I've been with a few male dancers, disappointed to find out they don't, that most don't use any of their, quote, moves in bed. (laughs) Uh, what do you think about that um i mean Um, if if she's not paying them to be a stripper then like yeah i'm not gonna use my moves either (laughs) yeah absolutely i'm not yeah i'm not (laughs) what do you want me to do um i oh here goes some more gender uh stereotypes Mm -hmm. i just don't think that men in general and uh, it's uh, yeah. I don't know if men just. I don't think they know what they're doing in the bedroom. <laughs> I think a lot of us don't I know mean, what we're doing in the bedroom. <laughs> Again, this is why right. we podcast. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. So I don't. I. I mean, I guess the difference would be is like at a show you're seeing. I mean, I can only speak from my personal experience. Yes. At my my persona when I'm dancing mm-hmm. versus my persona at home is are two very different people so maybe these guys that she's seen working are very confident and very like sexual and very Mm -hmm. um maybe masculine or whatever whatever it is she found appealing in them and in the bedroom maybe they're more shy maybe they don't know quite what they're doing um you know maybe they're Mm -hmm. just uh maybe they're just maybe they are that like masculine uh, stereotype and so they were out for their own and mm-hmm. trying to get and that maybe not that. as attentive exactly yeah. so um that you know yeah. could be what the issue is yeah i know it's it's yeah definitely after a shift like i don't want to put on a show necessarily right yeah um fuck me in the fetal position um, <laughs> <laughs> okay so someone else says um at a bachelorette party the stripper proceeded to sleep with the bride and two of her maids. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I hope they used condoms. Right. Uh, someone says, I was a male stripper for a few years. My male clients were really, really friendly, kind, and loved my shows. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, honestly, my male clients are like my biggest supporters. I, um, Good. To the point where, I mean, I don't want to say like they are fans, but also many of them are, have become friends over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, friend, very supportive, very tippy friends, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is very important because sometimes you cross that friend zone mm-hmm. and they stop tipping and it's like, well, you can still support. <laughs> right. That's such a tricky gray area. Sometimes I still, you know, it's like, okay, the dynamic is changing. Like maybe I do want to meet you out in the daytime, but like who's paying for the lunch, you know? Right. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, so many of our relationships, you know, like I, I really believe like all relationships are transactional in some ways anyway, and that's not to sound insensitive, but we benefit from something, either companionship or acts of service or affection or whatever. And mm-hmm. sometimes those agreements can change, you know, agreements can always change as long as both people are, are okay with that. Right. Right. Someone else says made friends with a former man stripper. Um, he was a really cool human. Yeah, duh. <laughs> some of us are pretty cool humans yeah you know? it turns out 
<laughs> Someone, okay, two more of these. Someone says, the club I danced at in Denver had male and female dancers at the same time. It attracted a diverse crowd of bachelors and bachelorette customers, but also caused drama because, okay, here's some judgment, because the male strippers would sleep around with the female strippers. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to put a generalization on it, but I feel like that's just inevitably, inevitably going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> when I read all this, you know, yeah, I, I was like, yeah, all of that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. If you're two people in a sexually, a sexually charged environment mm-hmm. and you're really like vibing off each other, of course it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Totally. Sexual tension at work is so fun and spicy sometimes. <laughs> Last one, this person says, my first kiss at the age of 20 was with a male stripper. He was hot. We made out in my friend's bed while she slept. Oh, my. Oh. I feel like that's, yeah, that should be on Pornhub uh, somewhere. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the title of a Pornhub. It totally uh, does. It totally does. Hey, if you have a sensitive vulva, don't be ashamed. So do I. I love using the salve by Momotaro Apotheca. That's M-O-M-O-T-A-R-O, apotheca.com. Check out their sister company, Oshihana. Dot com for some CBD related products. And I'm not the only one. I asked folks what they thought. Someone says, I love the salve for everything after shaving, after sex, if I feel a little off down there after anal. Someone else says, the salve is a personal favorite. I'm currently pregnant and use it for perennial massage. So that's great to hear. Use code stripperwriter. Hey, that's me on momotaroapotheca.com or oshihana.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, El Stanger. This is the Man Stripper episode. We are talking to Ben Crane on Instagram at Ben Crane underscore. And then you can email him if you would like to book. He is out in Chicago. Saturdays is the mail review. Mm-hmm. Sundays, I'm go-going at Hydrate. Mm, good, good. Good to know. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do some listener questions relating to stripper things, specifically cis man stripper things, because as we've already kind of talked about and has come up, is most when people hear the word stripper, they, I think, usually tend to think women unless someone says male stripper. And then they tend to think of Chippendales and Magic Mike, which just goes to show you it's a very small, like, cultural pool of examples that we have to draw on. Um, Male strippers, cis man strippers are just not as common, but you're still important. (laughs) So um, what I hear from some of my male stripper friends, they're like, oh, my God, women are so grabby. Like women clients will scratch your balls and like try to rip off your dick, (laughs) stick a finger in your ass. And I'm like, God damn, I thought I got groped. Do you get I don't know. Do you get women clients? Yes. Okay. Um, Do you notice a difference in boundary pushing across genders? Because I don't. I feel like everyone's equally entitled in terms of cis people. Um, so I will say that depending on the venue, there is definitely a difference. Mm -hmm. When I'm go-going, usually it's in gay clubs Mm -hmm. and the men there are a little touchy. Most of them want to see what I'm working with. Mm -hmm. 
And so like, that's a whole thing that um, needs to be discussed between them and I. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas women, oh, okay. So men, men are very definitely more touchy in gay clubs. Whereas women always want to know if it's okay first. Interesting. Which is a wonderful thing. Wow. That's nice to hear. Whereas in the mail review or my private parties, because I also do private parties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, women women are definitely more grabby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it, yeah, I think it just depends on like what the what the situation is. Mm-hmm. If they're if if it's more of a um, co-ed inclusive place, I feel like women are maybe a little more reserved, and then in more um, female occupied um, safe spaces, they're a little more, they're, they're, they're allowed to let go a little more and, and be a little more adventurous or wild or whatever the word you might want to use is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like people who are letting go a little bit more are less likely to like ask first. And it's not because they're being malicious. Right. It's because they're excited or intoxicated and right. Yeah. Or I think a group of women around each other when they're not like with their partners or their male friends that they might be judged, they're more likely to let loose and be like, Oh my God, girl, look at his dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So listener question one, this is something I didn't even think of. I think a man asked this Uh listener question one. Does penis size relate to success in your work? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, that's an interesting question because a lot of the guys, oh, so, so we fluff. Most of us fluff mm-hmm. uh, before we perform. Um, to anyone who doesn't guys, know what fluffing is, can you explain? Oh, uh, so fluffing is basically either getting yourself hard or uh, stimulating yourself to get either hard or chubbed or at least showy enough that it looks very impressive. <laughs> get the blood flowing so you have more bulge. Get the blood flowing. Absolutely. Um, so most of us fluff. Uh, the ones that don't, I, from what I've noticed, tend not to get as much business because people are less interested in in touching and seeing what they're working with. Interesting. This makes me think of sometimes, not often, but I've seen people like try to make their nipples hard, like right before they go on stage because we're okay. trying to communicate like sexual arousal because then the client will right. perceive the sexual arousal and be more interested and likely to engage. Which, That's interesting. I think that for makes us, sense. It's, it's, for us, it's absolutely about like how big is it? Wow. <laughs> what a culture. What a culture we live in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So listener question two, and we kind of mentioned this a little bit, but let's go deeper if you'd like. How does your performance of sexuality relate to your personal life? Does it? Um, so like I said earlier, um, the guy on stage and the guy at home are two very different people. Um, that's not to say that I, so like the guy on stage is very showy, he's very confident. He's very, um, um, yeah, I guess just confident is, no, I don't want to say confident, showy. He's very like, look at me, look at me. Whereas in my personal life, sexually, I'm very much a pleaser. So I want to do whatever it is 
to get my partner off. I want to see the look in their eyes. I want to see, you know, I want to feel the convulsions and stuff like that. Mm. So like on stage, it's all about me, but in the bedroom, it's all about my partner. That's nice that you have that worked out. Like you're aware of that. That awareness is kind of helpful probably. So, oh, I heard something interesting in the dressing room last night, actually. And uh, I've kind of talked about this before, but tell me what you think. Um, This is my own listener question. So do you ever set aside certain outfits or scents or gear or shoes or earrings or anything that is strictly for work because you don't want it to come into your personal life? Um, The example I want to use is a stripper last night who said that she wants to find a particular for stripping only perfume because she doesn't want to use any of her favorite scents and then have a bad interaction and then doesn't like that scent anymore. Oh, um, no, I don't really come across that. That's cool. Um, I mean, there, I mean, a lot of the stuff I wear when I strip is strictly just for stripping, but that's just because like, I don't wear underwear in general. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm like, why do I have all these bras? I don't wear bras. Oh, (laughs) no, work. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, there's so many different ways to do things. It's great when we have options. Um, Okay, so listener question three from our audience. What is your, Ben, what is your workout routine? Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, uh, Boy, I could talk for days about this. Um, (laughs) a big one so i go to the gym almost every day um i generally if i do take a day off it's maybe one day a week um i do uh splits um which is basically you work two body parts in a day really um and i superset everything so that means like you immediately go from let's say i'm doing chest i'll do chest press and i'll go immediately into a tricep workout and that all counts as one large set and then I repeat it three times, then move on to the next group and then move on to the next group. Um, and then it's, you know, six days of that a week. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm in the gym. I'm in the gym maybe two hours um, every day. Okay. I've had uh, men say, and women actually say to me before, they're like, well, okay, when men are like, oh, I wish I could be a stripper. I wish I could get paid to just be hot and naked. And I'm like, well, you could. Uh, yeah. You could. Like, oh, no, I'm fat. Okay, well, there's a lot of fat strippers, too, and some of them make money that way. But if you're worried about, you know, fitting into, like, whatever, like, go to the gym. (laughs) Oh, I wish I could go to the gym. Right. Uh, It's funny because I get that a lot, too. People are always like, oh, I I wish I could do that. And I'm like, well, do it then. And they're like, well, no, I don't have abs. I'm like, you don't need abs. I wasn't born with these, baby. (laughs) Right. I'm like, well, also, like, there's there's something for everyone. I tell people that all the time. Like, it doesn't matter what you look like. There's something for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you may, like, the dancing thing is, like, people tell me, like, oh, well, I don't know how to dance. I'm like, a lot of these boys don't know how to dance. Yeah, I didn't know how to dance either. (laughs) I didn't know how to dance. That was my biggest obstacle for a while. I was like, I don't know how to dance. I suck at dancing. You learn. Yeah. You learn. You learn. Yeah, exactly. You learn. Mm -hmm. Same thing with, like, if the body image is a thing, like, if, if that's if that's what's stopping you personally from stripping, then work on it. Mm-hmm. But that's not that generally that's not what it is. They just don't. It's a cop out. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Someone else once was like, oh, I wish I could be a stripper, but I just love food too much. And I'm like, yeah, I love food too. <laughs> like I don't I would, myself. 
I hear that all the time. Really? Like, it's, it's enraging because I eat so much. Right. You have to <laughs> if you're exercising so much. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so this moves nicely into the next listener question for how do you motivate yourself to perform when you're not in the mood? Oh, uh, I asked. Yeah. I asked Ginger Banks this question and she's like, I don't. <laughs> she's like, I make, <laughs> I feel like it. And I was like, well, fuck good for you. But if you can't like lose that shift cause you won't get booked again, how do you force yourself to be there? Yeah. Um, I actually, I've been, uh, I've been dealing with this a lot this week because I've kind of just been out of it this week. But mm-hmm. um, it's one of those things where I just got, I, I'm getting there is half the battle. Yes. So it's like, I just got to go. You kind of, it's your job. So like, if you don't want to work your shift at, you know, uh, the office or whatever, you still go, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing where like, I may not want to be there, but I want to get paid. So I got to go mm-hmm. and getting there is half the battle. Cause usually once I start performing, it's, it turns around. Sometimes it doesn't, but like once I get there and I get going, then it's like, okay, this isn't such a bad night. Mm-hmm. The recruitment of emotional energy for me. Yes. Is like half the battle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the reason it takes so much to recruit energy sometimes for me is just like the unknown it's not like I'm driving to like a cubicle or a desk where I know how many like I know what tasks I might have to do or I know how much I'm going to make that day. It's really like when I go to the club. It's a game. Yeah, I don't know who's going to walk in the door. I don't know if anyone's yeah. going to like me. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm going to fall and hurt myself. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a gamble for sure. It's like. It's one of those things like, is it worth my time to even leave, <laughs> leave the house? Mm-hmm. Am I going to make money tonight? Is, is it like for us out here in, in Chicago, like sometimes it's like we're on the verge of a, a snowpocalypse and we're like, is it even worth going out in this? Yeah. Cause like if nobody else is going to come out, what's the point? Right. So I'm, but sometimes you go out and there's that one guy who's going to give you a hundred dollars for, right. you know, doing next to nothing right (laughs) yeah because they're so grateful yeah yeah right thank god i came out so like it's hard it's hard to say it's like you said it's a gamble you never know what you're gonna actually come home with Mm -hmm. and i hate gambling do you know the dancers resource (laughs) (laughs) online yeah okay yeah Yeah. she made shirts for a while that said it only takes one (laughs) right yeah Mm -hmm. and that's true Mm -hmm. so um Listener question five, someone asked, do you feel like there are double standards for men versus women strippers? I don't know exactly what they mean in this context, but what do you think? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I also don't know what that means. Um, if I had to have a theory, I think they mean in terms of like stigma. Oh, absolutely. Then. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense then. Okay. Absolutely. Because as a male stripper, when I tell people about my job, it's always like, oh, interesting. Yeah, wow, interesting. <laughs> and I know that like, because I have um, um, friends that are strippers, mm-hmm. uh, women that are strippers, mm-hmm. and it's always like you hear like, oh, you probably, you're, you you, pro- you probably have all kinds of diseases and all this other bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's definitely seen there's definitely a a difference in the way we're looked at as far as our professions go. Mm, That's kind of validating to hear. Yeah. Uh, For me personally, that's validating to hear because I don't know. 
I, I figure the stigma is greater. Um, I would say maybe it's a little different. I don't know. You as a straight man working in what's typically perceived as like a gay environment or it might be a gay environment. I think homophobia could throw a wrench in things for you sometimes, maybe. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, that definitely comes into play, but. But you um, but you're straight. So, again, you have a proximity to gayness, but you're not thrown into the mess and like called all the same names basically or blamed for the same well, things. I've called a lot of those names, Ooh, but are you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's just one of those things where like people don't under people don't I think people just aren't socialized properly and therefore they don't realize um first of all if they're homophobic, like they obviously have never been around uh anybody in the community in a matter of realizing that these are people and they have feelings and they are just as cool as anybody else mm -hmm. might be, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I take all that kind of stuff in stride. Like I, for a while, cause I, I go to a gym in a pretty conservative area. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I tell people about my job, they always want to know, it's always straight guys. And they always want to know about, the women, mm -hmm. the, like the, the, the straight part of it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but I work in gay part. I work in gay clubs too. And they're like, Oh really? You let dudes touch you? And I'm like, well, yeah, they're going to pay me just as well as the women are. Like, but mm -hmm. <laughs> why wouldn't I? Mm -hmm. I, I would be closing off a major source of my income if I, if I was closed off to that idea. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Yeah. I always like to say like, Again, the thing where dudes that have been like, Oh, I wish I could be a stripper, but I don't have the body or blah, blah, blah. Or I'm not gay. And I'm like, do you think I'm attracted to most of my clients? <laughs> right, exactly. I am not. <laughs> um, there was a couple that came into my club last night and uh, I didn't really interact with them because I was like, uh, someone else will take care of it and get money out of them. But like, they're not for me. I could tell them it was a straight couple and the man partner was tolerating being in the club, but he looked uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. then it ended up two of the younger strippers spent time with them and drank a little bit and then ended up giving them a couple's dance. And then they relayed to me, they were venting about it. And one of the younger strippers uh, found it a really good opportunity to try to educate this man on his internalized homophobia when she had a chance because the couple was saying that um, he was not down to go to a male strip club. And she had been really reticent to come to our <coughs> strip club, but she had conceded to come to ours and she was having a nice time and he was having an, a nice time. But still, he was like, I don't want to go to a gay club. And so the stripper was like, maybe you should like consider like why, <laughs> you know, because if your girlfriend was willing to do this, why can't yeah. you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's funny because like we in the gay clubs, you it's funny when we see the straight guys because you could always tell tell that they're the straight ones <laughs> because they're they're clinging so close to the girls that they're with. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, it's okay, man, you can chill. Yeah. It's all good. Like yeah. and then um uh for the male reviews, when men bring their women. I don't know what it is, but like these men want to want their women to have the best time. So they mm. bring the money, they tip the dancers, they make sure that their their wives or girlfriends or whatever they might be mm -hmm. are just having the best time. And we're grinding on their girlfriend right in front of them. And, with, and they just have the biggest smile on their face. And I love mm. that kind of energy mm. from straight men. Mm. Compersion when they're happy for their partner. 
Yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy. And you know, sex work <laughs> is a really, really like safer way for people to dabble in their non-monogamy too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't feel secure with you fucking someone else or dating someone else, but like I can watch you receive pleasure and then we leave. Right. So it's a really nice outlet for a lot of folks. All right. So let's take another break and everybody go check out Ben Crane underscore on Instagram and look me up if I'm still on there at stripper writer. Ben, do you ever worry you're going to get deleted? <laughs> of course you do. Absolutely. I've, I've, yeah, I've had one. I've already had an account deleted. So I, okay. So this is why we're happy to support each other because again, advertising mm -hmm. is hard and the restrictions are real. Thanks everybody who's listening. Go get some water now. We're going to take a break. Hey, are you going somewhere and you don't want to ruin Airbnb sheets or hotel bedding or one night stands or clients furniture? If you're on your period, if you're a squirter, if you have a healing tattoo, or if you're just trying to be polite, it's more than a sex blanket. Getthelayer.com. It's black. It's discreet. You can get 10% off when you use the code L on getthelayer.com. This is great for cam girls, for people traveling, for people dealing with colostomy bags, for people that just don't want to sleep in the wet spot. Getthelayer.com. Code L. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, L Stanger. We are talking to human being and male stripper. This is the man stripper episode. Ben Crane out of Chicago. I'm over here in Portland. You can write to me, they talk sex at protonmail.com. Also, I do have a behind the scenes. You mentioned Patreon earlier. I still have a Patreon. Uh, that's where my... Oh, wow. Yeah. They don't allow a lot of my erotica writing. Definitely no short clips from my porn, but I still post like nipples and bush and some sex journaling. Mm. Yeah. So find me on there. Patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. Yeah. I don't think I can because I don't think you're allowed to have a erect penis because nope. I think that's considered pornography. Yep. So yeah, I, I cannot be on Patreon anymore. You no, know, it's so <laughs> fucked. And did you notice when the OnlyFans scare happened last year where it was like, are they kicking off adult content creators? Is this a marketing, like um like a publicity stunt? Um People were like, oh, it's okay. Just go to Patreon. There's a bunch of other platforms. And I'm like, no, I'm on Patreon. You can't have anything. Yeah. You can't have vulva. You can't have penis. You can't have penetration. It is not another option. Um, one of my friends jumped off of OnlyFans when that all happened. And she was like, I'm never going back. Fuck them. Mm -hmm. And so she's on many vids now. And she suggested it to me. So I, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see about that. Yeah. Many vids. Um, the thing is, people. though, like every time you have to jump platforms, you have to worry about if your subscribers are going to jump with you. Yep. Yep. And it's such a hassle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Many vids I've heard is a good option for folks. Um, I sell porn on... Here's my pitch. So camsoda.com forward slash stripper writer. I webcam mm. and I sell clips from there. But like, yeah, I did not want to mess with OnlyFans because I don't trust it. Not that I trust any platform, but right. especially not after the last few shenanigans over the last couple of years. Uh, there, the other thing I'm referring to is I talked to some content creators who said that they never got paid by OnlyFans or they didn't get paid for like six months. 
Yeah. 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 They'll do stops on your account for, and then it almost seems like, I don't know if, if they just like their, whatever's going on in their team, but like sometimes when you fix whatever issues are stopping your payments, you don't get the back pay. I've had that happen. That's so irritating. Yeah, yeah, I I try to work, and this is a pro tip for anybody else thinking about doing the work or wants to pivot. I try to be on platforms that have longevity, you know? So like Night Flirt is one that I know a lot of people like. Um, Live Links has been around for like, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Those are the phone sex ones or texting. Mm. Um, I'm on Sext Panther uh, also. But like when OnlyFans popped up and it got really popular really fast, I was nervous because I've seen platforms come and go so quickly. Uh, Yeah, yeah, definitely tricky. Uh, One of my, the the reason I jumped on it was because one of my friends was on it. He's a porn star and he was like, you got to get on, you got to get on OnlyFans. It's the hot new thing. And I was like, oh, okay, we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then eventually I was like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. And then uh, it was good for a while. And then the whole Bella Thorne thing happened mm-hmm. and then it sucked for a minute and then it got good again. And then the scare happened and yeah, it's just all over the place. Mm-hmm. I would love to jump, but again, that's where most of my subscribers are. So it's like, <sighs> it's a scary thing to have to jump from one thing to another and hope that everybody jumps with you. Mm-hmm. And the Bella Thorne thing for anyone who's not familiar, she is a, she's like a model actress, correct? Yeah, something. Yeah. And so she, <laughs> yeah, she's a really hot young lady who is not a sex worker, but you know, like adult entertainment adjacent, not an adult entertainer, but she sells like sexy imagery and like visuals basically, or she advertises them. So when she said that she was going to post nudes on her OnlyFans, and I think she charged like the absolute like maximum you could charge to unlock it. Right. I think so. Yeah, it was very. I think it was like fifty bucks or something. It was like fifty. It was like a hundred or. It was expensive. Yeah, I don't remember if it was like two fifty or something. But basically, she she charged a lot for people to unlock supposedly nude photos, and then it turns out they actually weren't nudes. They were implied nudity and like lingerie. So clients were pissed. People were pissed. They wanted their money back. So when a ton of people asked for their money back from OnlyFans, it was so much money that OnlyFans was like, oh shit, we don't want to relinquish these many funds. So they put a stop on paying all of their other adult creators for a while, or they changed the uh, mi- the maximum amount that you could charge clients. Mm-hmm. So this meant that so many other people, marginalized workers, you know, not Bella Thorne with like a million followers, they were like, fuck, I can't make as much or I'm not getting paid out because this lady who's not a sex worker decided to lie. Yeah. So she is not a favorite amongst my peers. (laughs) Not at all. Um, Speaking of longevity, uh, Chippendales, which we've mentioned before so i just always remember like as a kid like if if male strippers was mentioned at all it was probably chippendales yeah so my mom went to one of their shows like i remember vividly as a kid my mom being excited about chippendales <laughs> really? and me being a kid thinking chippendales was like chippendales rescue rangers <laughs> the cartoon show <laughs> yeah that's so funny that's fucking hilarious um i wonder if my mom ever went to a i'm gonna ask her uh, <laughs> so there's this distractify article 
uh, it says, what happened to the Chippendales owners? It involves a murder for hire plot. And I'm like, ooh, this is going to be the next Netflix show. <laughs> um, basically, okay, so the founder, it says on distractify.com, it says the founder of this iconic operation uh, was an immigrant from Mumbai, India. Uh, Soman, a.k.a. Steve Banerjee, so this was in the 70s. The show was successful. He wanted to expand. In the 80s, he hired a producer-choreographer named Nick. They launched at a New York City club. They had creative differences. Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, one of them is trying to kill the other. So <laughs> spicy. So they feuded. Um, Banerjee, the original founder, hired a man to attack Nick, the other man. Um. Nick was shot and the assailant fled. Anyway, so this was in the early 90s. There's a whole thing about this. I'm really, really interested and surprised that Chippendales still exists. Um, you'd think that the whole, like, you'd think the whole Chippendales empire would crumble if, like, one owner's trying to kill the other, but they must have excellent outsourcing. Well, in the article, it says that there's two docuseries is um, there's one that's already out and then there's one coming on A&E. So what's interesting about that is like 70s New York, like that sounds right in place with everything that was like happening in 70s New York. Right. Oh, my gosh. Because what? Because there was drag um, was coming up. Yeah. Uh, Studio 54. Was that around that time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. I see that Discovery Plus docuseries called Curse of the Chippendales and Secrets of the Chippendale Murders is coming on A&E starting in March of 2022. I've always said I don't want to open a brick and mortar business. It sounds really fucking stressful. <laughs> yeah. I I had an idea to, I always wanted to do what you were talking about earlier, where you said there was a club that had female and male mm -hmm. um, performers. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to do something like that, but I mean, I mean, just the headache of all of it just sounds terrible. Right. Permits and making sure that people are coming and all that other bullshit. Like right. Uh, hiring staff and all that. Training staff, awful. conflicts between right. the staff, stuff breaking. Last night at the club, I was like, why is it so goddamn cold in here? And I go to turn on the heater <laughs> <laughs> and the heater's broken. So I text one of the owners. I was like, hey, dad, the heater's broken. <laughs> I've worked for one of these owners for like 12 or 13 years. So at this point, basically, I'm just like, hey, dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, brick and mortar sounds very stressful. Okay, so on to that, as we come to the close of this episode, what are some things, Ben, that you've learned about adult nightlife or industries that civilians just don't realize? So I was thinking about this question. I honestly, I, I don't know what the general knowledge of what civilians have of nightlife is. Mm. If, if I were to guess, I would say that like, whatever, whatever, whatever idea, like whatever stereotype or generality people have of people in nightlife might be true for like some of us, mm -hmm. but generally we're all much deeper people than that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. No sex worker is a monolith. Right. Right. So if a client comes to me and they're like, or I'm sorry, not a client, but a would be client. If someone in the club says to me, like, blink three times if you're OK, because I know this job can be really, really exploitative. <laughs> like, I've had that. 
Yeah. Wow. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck, you know, like, okay, like, yes, coercion is real. Like human trafficking is real. Like I have a couple times worked with women or people who were like, oh, my mom or my boyfriend or my baby daddy's going to be so upset if I don't make rent tonight. And I'm like, fuck, that mm. sounds stressful. I don't know if that's a help. Yeah. You know, like that shit is real. And then also I mostly work with people that are like, fuck, man. I got to cover my bills between this and my barista job. So let's hope people are tipping tonight. You know, yeah, like yeah. capitalism and, is and the exploiter. Right. Um, some of the guys I work with, like, so like a lot of the, I would say one of the generalities of male performers, strippers, sex workers, whatever you want to say is like, oh, they probably have five kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. And definitely mm -hmm. I know a guy that has like five kids. <laughs> Slut. So they, it's not that they don't exist, but mm -hmm. I am, you know, I'm an educated single bachelor with no kids mm -hmm. in my own house. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, my friend, uh, one of my friends is an accountant and he's a stripper. Like I, I know another guy that sells insurance and he's a stripper. So like mm -hmm. whatever the preconceived notion of, of a person in nightlife is probably not right. Mm -hmm. So, And that often comes from people's own experiences and perceptions and like their personal trauma right. sometimes. Um, so what are some resources that have been helpful for your learning? If you can't think of any, that's fine. Oh, um, uh, so honestly, I learned, I've, and I've messaged you this personally about this, but I've learned a lot from your page specifically, your oh, Instagram. Thank you. Um, yeah, because I feel like there's not enough educating going on as far as sex work goes, as far as um, rights goes, as far as these kinds of things. And I've tried to open my page up to be kind of an open book kind of thing for my fans and followers. I do a lot of those, um, ask me anything mm -hmm. because I feel like it's important to, um, be honest about, uh, my life and my profession and that there is a distinction between the two and that, um, you know, I want to be treated as a human and I don't want to be seen as a, an object to be owned and if I'm in my personal life, I want to be left alone for the most part. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It can be um, stressful so to open up your stuff, but good on you if you have the bandwidth. Yeah. And, uh, but no, like, uh, you know, a lot of your posts are about like um, sex work and, and how um, it's vilified and, mm. or uh, trans rights and trans rights is another thing that I'm very passionate about because a lot of my friends are trans mm. and, um, um, you know, just, um, I'm not a great resource, but like, if I were to say to anybody, like I would for sure tell them to go to the stripper writers page. Oh shit. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm fluttered. Uh, last thing I do want to ask, I ask all my guests this, uh, we talked a lot about entertaining, but this is a, you know, sex sexuality podcast. Do you have any sex tips for our audience? Oh, um, it's funny. I did, uh, Stemming off of that thing I was just talking about, the ask me anything. I had one day I was just like, tell me a secret. And I had a few people, uh, women specifically, just come through. And one of them was like, my husband is very aggressive and I don't know. And it, mm -hmm. it it's hard to keep myself from crying during sex or something like that. And I was like, so like from that, I just want to say that like communication with any potential partner or husband or boyfriend or whatever it might be 
Mm-hmm. Communication is a very big thing, whether or not it's mundane stuff, like what do you like, what don't you like, or specifically more um, specific things like, um, I don't like this, please don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because like everybody's supposed to be having a good time sexually, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, if your thing is like, hey, I want to be pinched and clawed and scratched, like absolutely convey that. But if you don't want that, absolutely convey that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as um, educating yourself, like for me, as, as like I said earlier, I'm, I'm I, I consider myself a pleaser. So when I was younger, rather than watching like the typical porn, I would go into like like cunnilingus and stuff like that and learning about things that maybe most men don't know about as far as like the lady parts that <laughs> that we don't have mm-hmm. that we should be that we should be familiar with because that's if you want to please a partner you have to know about their parts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. basic um, anatomy has been so helpful for me in terms of like giving oral sex or hand jobs yeah absolutely yeah and um so yeah i would say do some research if you want if you want a happy sexual relationship Obviously, communicate with your partner, but also do some research and figure out, like, I don't want to say, because every woman is, or every person is different. So, like, the things that might be arousing for me may not be arousing for someone else. And so, and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. but, um, but having some literacy can be helpful, it sounds like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Ben for speaking with me here and all of our listeners uh, can definitely email you b-e-m-a-l-o-86 at gmail.com or ben crane on instagram ben crane underscore at instagram poodle's yeah. coming back so i need to stop for a minute he's doing the quick clacks <laughs> with his nails too mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay so find me on lstanger.com and ben i will see you on the internet All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Until next time.